cours. Good evening. Wait, can you guys hear me? Oh, yeah, there we go. Good evening. How, how are y'all doing? Good. War <laughs> Eagle. Glad you guys are here um, to kick off y'all's fall break. So that means I can go a little bit late tonight, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, my name's Carrie. Um, a lot of you guys probably don't know who I am, and that's because I'm kind of an old fogey nowadays. Um, I'm a fifth year, and I'm the nerdy one. Um, they like school, so I'm in grad school here at Auburn. Um, I'm the missions intern under Pastor Hal um, in the missions ministry. And I graduated from Auburn um, this past May. So I still recognize some of you guys, which is good for me. Uh, it means I'm not out of touch with everyone quite yet. Um, but the best way that I'm probably known nowadays is that I'm Katie Clark's older brother. Um, and to me, that's one of the best ways to be known. Um, and so... I'm ex- <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, she's not here, so give her crap because I was really sweet to her, okay? Uh, um, but I- I'm extremely um, humbled, thankful, um, a lot of bit nervous. Um, I haven't taught like this in a long time, um, so I'm very appreciative of Kevin for letting me um, share his pulpit. And I'm also just really appreciative for Kevin in general. Like I said, I graduated in May, um, so I have been at Lakeview now for four years going on five. Um, and Kevin got here when I got here. So you can say that since I've been here, all I've known at Lakeview is Kevin. And since Kevin's been college pastor, all he's known is me. (laughs) Um, And so I'm extremely grateful, Kevin. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of a full circle for me. that I get to be able to share God's truth um, under um, being able to listen to what Kevin has taught me and and how he's molded me to look more like Christ. I get to now do that um, to his flock. And so I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, And so as we have been this semester, we've just been learning about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our lives. And so the past couple of weeks, we've been learning about the fruits of the Spirit um, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. So if you guys want to go ahead and get out your Bibles, we're going to be doing a lot of page flipping tonight. Um, and so we're not going to be able to, you know, go to flip to each and every single one. But I do think it is important to kind of start off here. Um, so the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the fruits of the Spirit um, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, um, describe these. Um, and in verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Um, and so a couple of weeks ago, Kevin taught on what it means um, to have the gift of the Spirit of love. Um, two weeks ago, Riley taught on joy. Um, tonight, I'm teaching on peace. We're really creative. We're just going right in order. (laughs) Um, So by the end of the semester, we'll be able to have talked through all of these. Um, But before we kind of get into it, um, I think it's really beneficial to kind of recap what Kevin's told us about who the Holy Spirit is. Um, And so as you can see on the screen, we're talking about peace. Um, And so the uh, role of the Holy Spirit, we we should probably re-go over that because in actuality, I'm probably not talking a lot about the Holy Spirit a lot tonight. And the reason for that is the best way that can be summarized, Kevin actually used this quote a couple weeks ago. Um, the role of the Holy Spirit is to floodlight Jesus. Oh, sorry, am I moving? Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is my first time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the role of the Holy Spirit is to floodlight Jesus, right? Um, G.I. Packer best said it like this, the Holy Spirit's distinctive new covenant role than is to fulfill what we may call a floodlight ministry in relation to the Lord Jesus Christ. So far as this role was concerned, the Spirit was not yet while Jesus was on the earth. Only when the Father had glorified him could the Spirit's work 
making men aware of Jesus' glory begin. And so the, the Holy Spirit, his purpose is to glorify Jesus. So when we learn about who Jesus is and begin to put faith in Jesus for the first time, Jesus is glorified in that. So that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So since the Holy Spirit is now in work in us, we glorify Jesus. We glorify him by becoming like him. So a lot of my talk tonight is going to be talking about how we see peace in Jesus. Um, and so again, the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to floodlight Jesus, and now in our lives, to floodlight him. Um, best way it can be summarized is in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. Um, you don't have to flip there, but I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Um, verse 2, beloved, we are God's children, um, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we shall be like him. Right? Now that we're God's children, the Holy Spirit has allowed us to have faith in him so that when he comes back, we can be like him through the Holy Spirit because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him is purifies himself as he is pure. Um, and so we see that the Holy Spirit's role is to make us more like Jesus. Um, and so that is essentially what I'm going to be talking about um, tonight. Um, and so before we kind of get dive into it, I kind of want to give credit where credit is due. I did not come up with these thoughts on my own. I am not that smart. Um, so I just want to thank Sinclair Ferguson, John Stott, um, Watchman Nee, and J.I. Packer. They are great men of the faith. Read anything they have. It's great. It's good stuff. Um, and I am not nearly as smart to come up with this. I also want to apologize on the front end. I'm not as good of a teacher as Kevin or as pretty as Riley. Um, so I'm kind of like the ugly step cousin. Uh, so I, I was telling someone earlier, like, this can go one of two ways. Either one, I get invited back, or two, I don't. Um, there's no in-between. So hopefully, hopefully this is good, and hopefully this is edifying to you guys. Um, and so, um, so we're going to go ahead and um, read um, our passage. It's on the screen, um, John chapter 16, verse 33. I didn't type it out, um, but uh, that's what we're going to be reading. And so we did this a couple of weeks ago when Adam Greenwood was here. Um, so if we could all stand while we read God's text, um, I thought that was really awesome, just giving respect and reverence to, the, to God's word. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to read this, and then I'm going to pray, and you guys can stay standing while I'm praying, so you guys aren't like, what do I do? I'm um, just giving you all a heads up. Um, okay, so John chapter 16, verse 33, says this, I have said these things to you, that in me, being Jesus, you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Lord, thank you for allowing us to gather here, Lord, um, to be able to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, to be able to understand more of who you are, to be able to ponder how we can have this peace um, that you offer us, that you say that we can have. So Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that tonight we'd become more aware of our sin and also more aware of who you are so that our love for you may abound, that we can love you more than when we walked in. So Lord, I just ask that you would speak through me, that would not be my words, but your words, that uh, my brothers and sisters would have ears to hear. Lord, you are good and you are faithful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, so I have a PowerPoint that has points we haven't done this in a while. The reason we're doing this is because I'm an engineer and I like structure. Um, <laughs> so I have five points um, to kind of go through our talk. Um, and if you're wondering, I did not choose the five points. The five points chose me. Um, if that went over your head, <laughs> that's okay. Um, you talk to Kevin afterwards. Um, and so, Spencer, if you go to the next slide, these are the five points that we're going to be walking through tonight, right? Um, one, what is peace? Two, how does tribulation in the world affect us? Three, how is there peace in Jesus or in him? Or how, how Jesus shows us his peace in him? How this peace transforms us? 
then how we can keep this piece. Um, I also just want to preface at the front end and say that I, in, in my like concordance, it's kind of one of those big, gigantic books that has, um, like whenever you look up a word, it says where it's all referenced. Um, in my concordance, peace was referenced 331 times. I counted all of them. I did not read all of those. <laughs> so there is no way I'm going to be able to encompass fully what peace is. Um, the way when I kind of did this was kind of, as, as, as college believers, man, how, how can we actually do peace, right? How, how can we tangibly do peace? Um, if we go back and look in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, um, you guys don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. Um, at the very end of verse 21, um, Paul says this, says this, and things like these, talking about the, the, the fruits of the flesh, right? The things that, like the sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, um, and the things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, it continues on in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is blankety, blankety, blank. So we see that we can do bad things, and then Paul calls us to do the fruits of the Spirit. And so I feel like a lot of times, especially as me as a college you know, Christian, I read this and I'm like, okay, like, okay, we can have the fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, blah, 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 blah. Um, but how do we actually do peace? And so that's the question I'm hoping to address tonight, ultimately. And these are the five points that kind of break it down of how we do tangibly do peace in our own lives. Um, okay, so we're going to go on to point number one. What is peace? Um, and hopefully, as you see through all these points, this is just a way to also read Scripture. Um, hopefully this is edifying to you in that way as well. Um, and so the first question I want to address is, what is peace? I feel like it's a good way to kind of start. Um, of, if we are talking about peace, we should probably know what it is. Um, and so I do what all college students do when they don't know the answer to something. I looked it up um, on Google. Um, and this is what Oxford Dictionary said what peace is. Peace is the freedom of disturbance. Um, and I thought that was a really good definition. But I couldn't help but think this doesn't fully encompass what peace actually is, right? Like, freedom from disturbance is a reality that we're now in. It doesn't tell us how to actually do peace. So while I do think, like, this is a good definition and is peace, it doesn't fully encompass what peace actually is. So the way that I actually kind of, like, look at this is when you throw pebbles into a pond, ripples begin to happen, right? And peace is when you throw a pebble into a, a pond and it doesn't happen. There's no ripples to happen in the pond. Um, and so um, this is kind of the reality of peace, but I, I, I kind of came up with a term myself. Um, hopefully this is right. Hopefully Kevin doesn't rebuke me later. Um, that what I think the biblical definition of peace is. Um, and so the definition, as it shows on the screen, um, is the realization of the restoration that all relationships are under the authority of Christ. Um, when we realize that Christ is head above all. And that's how we can truly have peace, right? That's how we can truly not be disturbed by anything the world might throw at us. That's how when a pebble or an event or a situation, we don't have to be disturbed by it, right? That the state that like the dictionary gave us now becomes a thing, is when we realize this. This is the definition of how to do peace. Um, and so I'm just going to go through a couple of verses real quick on how this kind of continues to, uh, uh, how these verses kind of point to this definition. Um, you guys don't have to turn to all these. There's a lot. Um, and so I'm going to move, hopefully, kind of quickly. Um, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7, um, say this about peace. Um, Isaiah is prophesying, and it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So we see that when Jesus came, and, and he was the prince of peace, he came to bring something, right? And the thing that he came to bring in verse 7 was the increase of his kingdom. And what was with it? Peace. And so we see that when his kingdom increases, peace increases. So Jesus came to bring peace. Going on to uh, Psalm chapter 29, verses 10 through 11. It says this, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. Verse 11, May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Um, So again, we, we see that Jesus came to bring peace. And then we see in Psalm 29 that when the Lord is exalted forever, when the Lord is on high, and that's how we can have peace, right? The Lord blesses his people with peace. That's not just something that we get later, but something that we can have now. Okay, Isaiah 9, Jesus brings peace. Psalm 29, Lord has to be exalted forever. Okay, um, going on to the next one. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we see that Jesus brings peace. We see that God has to be exalted over all things for us to be able to be blessed by peace. And now in Philippians 4, we can now bring everything to Jesus to have peace, right? But this is kind of working to my working definition, (laughs) right? When we realize that Jesus is over our relationships and that we can come to him in these things, we can have peace in him. And the last one, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's only through him. It's only through us tangibly acting and trusting in Jesus that he is going to come back for us, that we can have peace. It's only through actually, actually like believing what Jesus says, I mean, we can, we can have peace. Um, so then, just to recap real quick, because I'm a big fan of repetition, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, Jesus brings us peace. Philippi, or Psalm chapter 29, God has to be exalted for us to be blessed by peace. Philippians chapter 4, we can bring him all things so that we can have peace. And Romans 5, 1, it's only through believing in Jesus that we can have peace. Um, and so as, as we see throughout each, throughout each of these, um, there's an alternative um, to do, right? In Isaiah chapter 9, we don't have to be a part of his kingdom. In Psalm 29, he doesn't have to be exalted forever, um, and so we see that when, when Jesus came in Isaiah 9, he was coming to, to bring forth his kingdom and to bring forth peace for his people. That means he had to get rid of something, right? Something had to be taken away. Um, and so we know that in our own lives to be sin. But in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the second half of it, it says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Um, the reason why I bring this up is that there's a connection that's been up on the screen for a little minute, is that Jesus overcomes the world and and, and in our John chapter 16 passage. And that when he overcomes the world, the connection I'm trying to draw is that Jesus ultimately overcomes sin. Um, it goes the world to Satan and to sin. Um, and so when we see that, when Jesus brings forth his kingdom, when we see that he brings forth peace, he has to destroy what Satan has done in our lives, right? Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 says it this way. And you were dead in the trespasses of sin. Verse 2, in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, being Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So we see that, that Satan 
put together the system, right? Put together and, and constructed the world to where we, it causes us to not walk with Jesus. It causes us to walk in sin and no longer with him. It's easier for us to be in the world and to not walk with Jesus than to actually walk with Jesus. So when Jesus came, he did that so we no longer um, have to uh, be disturbed by the things of this world. Um, that's what makes the good news in, in John chapter 16 so good, is that he overcame the world, overcame sin, overcame Satan, so that we no longer have to feel these things. Um, and so I think scripture clearly describes um, this for us as believers. Um, I think we, we've seen that. There's plenty of other, and I'm just going to kind of keep it to the scope, um, is that this is what the definition is, is that the realization, the restoration, that all relationships are under the authority of Christ. Peace is a relational thing. Um, and so when Jesus came into the world and to inaugurate his kingdom, we are a part of his kingdom by relationship. We are a part of this peace and through Jesus by relationship and choosing to believe in him. Um, and so that moves me into my second point um, of how tribulation in the world impacts us. This is found in the middle of, of the verse in, in John chapter 16. Um, For in the world you will have tribulation. I think it's a good question to ask um, because as, as we've seen, like we're, we're living in the world still. Like, yes, we might believe in Jesus, but we're still living in the world. Um, so that means our lives are still impacted by the world. Um, Kevin had this, ha- has this great example that he always talks about of, of when we go out to swim in the ocean, we don't, under, we don't realize the currents that are going on beneath us. When we go out and, and hang out on an inner tube or, you know, do dead man's float or whatever like I do and get saved by lifeguards um, or dunk people or whatever. Um, also, don't do dead man's float at fall retreat. I'm going to be saving you, not some, someone else. Um, <laughs> uh, is we don't realize the currents that are going on beneath us. We have fun, we hang out, then we look up an hour later and we don't see home base anymore. And so what, what Jesus is telling us is we, we can't stop the drift if we don't know there is a drift, Right? So when Jesus says, in the world you will have tribulation, he's telling us, there is going to be a drift away from me. There's going to be something that is pulling you away from realizing that I am over all relationships, that I am king and I am savior. And so that's what we're going to look at. And I picked three examples. These are by no means all three examples, but I think these are the most three pertinent to us as college students. Um, And so in the first way that we see um, how the world causes us um, to kind of be in tribulation is by causing us to rationalize the gospel. When we hear news about Christians in Afghanistan being slaughtered and martyred, or hear about another loved one or family member or friend contract COVID and be on a ventilator then eventually pass away, or hear of a friend that um, has now identified with the LGBTQ movement, like this causes something inside of us, right? Like, I hope it does. Like, it is for me. Like, it's, these are hard things, right? Like, it causes us to ask questions of how is there a good God? How is there a, a God that loves us and says that he is for his people, but these things are happening around us, right? And this causes a disturbance in our pond. And so when we begin to enter into these hard situations, they're by no means supposed to be minimized, but it causes us to rethink the gospel. It makes reading verses that I'm about to read a little bit harder to read. Um, some of these verses are like Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
right? Like, like how are we supposed to rationalize this when we, when we believe in a good and faithful and gracious God? Or even Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That, that's not an easy word. That's not. And the last one, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkard, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. When we live in hard things, the truths become harder and harder to believe. If we aren't constantly looking to Christ as he is, tells us he is in Scripture, we begin to put ourselves in place of Christ. We begin to minimize the holiness of God and, and heighten the bar of salvation. Right, we rationalize the gospel, and, and ultimately what this does to us is we put ourselves over all relationships, right? Because ultimately what we're trying to do is comfort others, and that's Jesus' job. That's not our job. And so my, my first example in this is, is, again, like when we live in hard things, and we will because we live in the world, because sin is still a thing in this world, we're going to face hard things, and it causes us to rationalize the gospel. And there's a reason why I'm not saying the good news yet because I want us to realize the sin that is in the world. Um, the second way the world causes us to be in tribulation is through comfort. Um, I won't spend a ton of time here since Brother Al kind of stole my th- thunder on uh, Sunday <laughs> uh, talking about answering the Lord's call, and that's okay. He's a way better uh, uh, teacher than I am, and so I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll refer to his sermon. Uh, but just to kind of recap, um, it can be kind of summarized in this one sentence. Comfort forces us to depend on the world and not on Christ begins to be harder and harder to follow Jesus when we lived a comfortable lifestyle. And the world can offer us that, right? Um, Matthew chapter 19, verse 24 says this, Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eyes of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that, you know, it is, you know, sinful to be rich or anything like that. Like, I hope to be rich one day, Lord permitting, you know, fingers crossed. Um, (laughs) But I am saying it is harder to follow Jesus because of it. Because when you aren't comfortable, it's easy to surrender your life. When you have a lot, it's harder to surrender everything. Um, and, I, and I bring this one up because especially as college students, as I'm living, you know, my life and, you know, I'm a fifth year, you know, thankfully the Lord gave me a fiance trying to figure out how to provide, you know. The things I ask is, man, when, what's, a, what's, a, what's a cool place to live? What's a job that pays well? What's a job that's secure? Um, where are my friends living? And all these things are fine, but ultimately what I'm seeking is comfort from the world and not from Jesus. I'm not looking for him to provide, but for the world to provide. And so what this tribulation does to us is it forces the world over our relationships and not Jesus. Um, The last example um, that we see how the world kind of causes tribulation um, is through us wanting to please man over God. Um, And scripture gives us a very clear and direct call against this. Um, Galatians chapter 1 verse 10 um, says this, For now I am seeking the approval of man or of God. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Um, Our primary aim in life is to serve Jesus. But the world tells us and makes us want to believe that we really need to be pleasing the people around us. Um, This especially hits true for me um, and especially Katie and I. Um, Our parents aren't believers. Um, we by no means grew up in 
Christian home. We by no means grew up in a home that discredited the gospel. Um, but at some point in both of our lives, when I was a sophomore in high school and Katie was a freshman, they began to think um, that our faith was taking over our lives. They began to think that we were spending too much time in church. Um, and they wanted us to choose between us or Christ. And I remember as a sophomore in high school, coming to know Christ as, my, as a freshman, I was like, Lord, I've only known you for a year and I've known my parents for 16. What gives you the right for me to follow you instead of them? The realization I came to was this verse, right? Because an eternity with Jesus is far better than a lifetime with anyone else. And so I say this because not only does this obviously impact me in a very deep and, and, and intentional way in my family, but this is even in the small things, like pleasing a boss, right, and not standing for your convictions. Pleasing a coworker so they don't think you're too, too hard-nosed, you're too closed-minded, it's too black and white. You know, you Christians are just that. Um, a brother, a sister, a friend. Um, we want to be loved ultimately, and we look for that in people. And so how the world causes us to have tribulation is having anyone besides Jesus over our relationships instead of Jesus, right? So just to recap, there are, there are three main examples, I think. As college students especially, we see how the world causes us to not act and live in the gospel. Um, the first being that we choose to put ourselves over the world by rationalizing the gospel. Um, the second way is, is having the world over our relationships um, because we choose to seek comfort and trust in that. Um, and the third is through anyone else besides Jesus. Um, and so this leads me um, into my third point. Um, is now here, here's the good news. How is there peace in Jesus? Oh, yeah. Um, so in, in, in again, in verse 33, um, it says this at the very beginning, at, at the end, um, A and C. Um, as you can tell, I did A, B, C. <laughs> um, at the very beginning, it says, I have said these things to you, Jesus, that in me you may have peace. So he obviously told us something. And then the other way it says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus tells us that, that through his teaching and through him, we can have peace. And then also through what he accomplished. Um, and so um, in the first part of, of what he taught us, um, I kind of want to be faithful to the text and then kind of show what he, he, he originally taught us. Because this is kind of the tail end of his teaching um, before he kind of leaves the disciples. Um, and so he kind of begins this long dialogue back in uh, John chapter 14. Um, you guys can go back through and check me on this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but nowhere between John chapter 14 and 17 does it say that the, the disciples moved. This is a long teaching um, that concludes with this and starts in John chapter 14, verse 1, with this. <laughs> okay? This, this is the good news. Oh, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, so would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will not come again and will take you to myself that I may be also. I think it's also important that before Jesus started his teaching, this is when Jesus realized in John chapter 13 that Judas was going to betray him. <laughs> How is that for some tribulation? <laughs> How is that for some difficulty, right? And here Jesus is starting his teaching by let your hearts not be troubled, by believing in him and ending with, I have said these things to you. Wow. And so what did Jesus teach us, right? And so with, God's, with, with Jesus saying, believe in God and believe also in me, he is showing that God is faithful, right? He, Jesus is the promised Messiah, promised all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. 
He is the seed that is going to crush the serpent's head. We saw that in 1 John chapter 3. That his work was to undone the things of Satan. So we see that by what he taught, God is faithful. When he says, believe in God and believe also in me, he is the Savior. He is the Messiah that's going to save us from our sin. He is going to be the one that saves us from death. Wow. And not only that, and follows up in verse 2. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So not only does Jesus tell us that God is faithful. He is faithful for those that call on him, that he is going to be the one that saves us. But he also tells us to look forward in his promises. We're going to be in a reality one day where we no longer have death. We no longer have to hear about martyrs in Afghanistan anymore. We no longer have to hear about anyone dying from COVID, right? We no longer have to worry about a, a test coming up or an operation coming. We no longer have to worry about these things. Because Jesus told us himself, he showed us that he was faithful, that he was the God that is going to save us from our sin, and that he is also the God that is going to bring us to heaven and into eternity with him. That the future and the glory that we will be able to inhabit in is far greater than this world can ever offer. Wow. And that makes the words of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 so sweet. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Tribulation that we see and hear about, the, the, the unworking that we try to see the world do in the, in, in the gospel, in our hearts, and in our minds, man, it's worth it. Because we have an eternity of waiting with Jesus. Um, and in the second part, it says up there in the, in the last part, chapter, in, in verse 33, it says um, that Jesus gives us peace through his accomplishment. Hopefully nothing what I'm about to say is new. Um, if it is, please talk to someone next to you or come talk to me. Because um, this is how we are, we are truly saved. It's, it's, good. it's one thing to show that you're faithful and that there is a promise coming. But, but the accomplishment is truly what makes it all stick together. Right? Because he says, I have overcome the world and we have seen that the world is, is what sin is. Right? And so, and so how does sin now impact our lives? I said that word a lot. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners in here. We all suck. We're all not good like God, essentially. We all don't act like God. How do I know that? Because we're, you guys aren't God. <laughs> um, but so what does that mean for us? Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin are death. That means the sin that we have, that you have, that the person beside you has, is death. So that means one of two things. Either we pay for our sin or Jesus pays for our sin. Either we are the one that when we die, we, we say, Lord, here's our sin, punish us with it. Or we can say, Jesus is the one that paid for mine. And so I hope and pray that, that each of us will, will point to Jesus so that we can look back on his faithfulness and look forward in his promises. And that, that is how we are able to have peace in this world from what Jesus said. Look to me, and me you will have peace. Man, sweet words. Um, okay, I got two more points, and it's late. Okay, it's fall break. We're good. Um, <laughs> uh, point number four. Um, how, how does this, how does this uh, peace transform us? Um, really quickly, okay. Uh, so in the last part, it says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So obviously Jesus is telling us to take heart and to remember all these things. So that means in our own lives, we are transformed. Um, 
And so again, just a brief recap of what the, def- the biblical definition of peace is, is that's the realization of the restoration that all relationships are under the authority of Christ. Okay. So how does this now change who we are, what we do, and how we act? Um, the first point is our relationship with creation. Um, Jesus overcame the world. Um, yes, we, as we saw through the connection of sin and all that, that he has overcome it. So that means that we no longer have to be afraid of anything that is to come. We no longer have to be afraid of a job interview to come. We no longer have to be afraid um, of med school or grad school or an application or a test score, the GRE, anything related with school. We no longer have to be afraid of a hurricane that might wipe out Auburn or whatever. Uh, we no longer have to be afraid of the Georgia game, right? We do, our, our, our joy doesn't hinge. Our, our joy doesn't hinge on how bad Auburn loses. I hope we don't, but I'm not feeling good, um, <laughs> right? Right. It no longer applies to that anymore because because Christ has overcome those things, right? Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever, Amen. So when we see that our relationship with creation, right? Because we are in relationship with creation because we're still in it. When Jesus is over it and we realize that, we can have peace. Point number two within this, uh, our relationship with other people. Um, I've already mentioned this one and and alluded to it before, um, but Jesus has done the work, right? I was reminded of this quote that Pastor Brian said at Vistas on Monday. Um, Shameless plug, come to Vistas. Um, I'm the missions intern, so I feel like I have to say that. Um, But (laughs) uh, Pastor Brian um, said this quote of, we are living in a rigged game. The end is already written. The promise that we are going to be in heaven is already a reality. We are bought with Jesus, so our salvation goes as Jesus goes. And he is faithful and eternal. So therefore, our salvation is faithful and eternal. So therefore, Jesus is over all of our relationships. He is sovereign over all of us, right? Psalm chapter 139, verse 16 says this, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So Jesus authors our lives. Jesus authors um, when we die, when we were born, um, all these things. And so we no longer have to be afraid of our unbelieving friend who we don't know, doesn't yet know Christ. We no longer have to be afraid for me, my parents, not dying without Christ. Why? Because in each one of our relationships, Jesus will have the most glory from them because he is over our relationships. Wow, that's good news. Um, real quickly, I'm going to go to one more. It's not on the screen. It's Esther chapter 4, verses 13 through 14. Um, I just want to drive this point home because I feel like a lot of times we, we share the gospel out of necessity, but God does not need us, and nothing like the story shows it more. Um, Esther chapter 4, verses 13 through 14. You guys don't have to turn there. I'll try and give some car- context, and we'll roll with it. Um, Esther essentially is going to the king um, that is going to wipe out all, all of Israel, right? <laughs> and, and Esther has the opportunity to save all of Israel from being wiped out but she doesn't want to do it. And so Mordecai, her dad, says this. The Mordecai told them to reply to Esther in Esther chapter 4, verse 13. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. And verse 14. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We don't have to share. We get to share. Jesus doesn't save because of what we do, but through us. Man, that is some good news. That is some good news. It does not hinge on our performance. It does not hinge on how well we share the gospel. It does not hinge on us making every most out of every opportunity, which we should and ought to, 
but it doesn't hinge on that. It hinges on God's faithfulness and Christ's authority over our relationships. Point number three, our relationship with eternity. Um, I, I already talked about this a little bit of just how, man, we no longer have to be afraid of when we sin. We no longer have to be afraid of when we aren't good. Why? Because Jesus is good for us. Jesus paid the penalty for us, so we no longer have to be afraid of it. Again, our salvation is as secure as Jesus is because we are in Jesus. We are as loved, holy, precious, redeemed, and cherished as Jesus is because we are in Jesus in the Father's eyes. Wow. Wow. Um, John chapter 10, verse 14 through 15 says this, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus talking. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. We don't have to do anymore. We just have to be and to be loved, just as we said in the high over catechism. Shameless plug. Um, okay, point number five. Okay, we're doing good. Um, point number five. How do we keep peace? Um, yeah, how do we keep peace? Um, we don't, yes, right now, hopefully you are feeling at peace about how good and faithful Jesus is. Hopefully you're on, Lord permitting, through the Holy Spirit, on fire for Jesus. But, what, what Jesus want, doesn't want is, is you to feel this way and then in 40 years for you to not have peace. So, so Jesus has told us ways how we can keep this peace, not only for today or for the next week or for the next month or the next year, but for the rest of our lives. And I think these three principles kind of allow us to do that. And the first one, has a little bit of a hot take, is keeping the Sabbath. <laughs> um, uh, keeping the Sabbath. Um, what is the Sabbath and what does it do? Um, the Sabbath essentially, like it's said in creation, a day set apart um, to where we can rest and remember God's faithfulness, right? Again, the world tells us to move and to go and to be. But what God tells us to do is to remember and to hold fast. To work out of rest, now work towards rest. Yes, we're working towards eternity, but God wants us to work out of the rest that he has given us already in Jesus, mainly his peace. Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 19 through 20 says this, I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And keep my Sabbaths holy that they may be a sign between me and you, as you may know that I am the Lord your God. Sabbath is not for us to be more spiritual. It's for us to remember the Lord's faithfulness and the Lord's goodness. It's for us to remember what Christ has done and what he has done in our lives and how we can be transformed and not like the world. Yeah. Point number two. Um, being in community. Um, yeah, you guys are doing that. You guys are a part of a church family. Um, and that is, that is what Jesus calls us to do, is that what, what being in community does for us is that it allows us to hear God's promises through someone else, right? It allows us to, to remember what God has done from someone else's viewpoint. Like what I'm saying, um, in a way it's a little bit of a unique view, but each one of you kind of has a unique twist to who Jesus is and how he's been faithful in your own lives. Those stories need to be shared to each of us. Um, I can't begin to tell you how many times um, my fiance, Hayden, throughout the years of us dating has been so encouraging to me. How she has reminded me of God's faithfulness in our own lives and our relationship. And how many times I've been able to do that to her, right? And that's the biggest blessing is that not only when you're in community that, that you get to share that, like people share that to you, but you get to do that to others, Right? The person beside you, you get to minister to them as well. And that's what's so great about it. And my love for Jesus isn't more flame than when I get to share about him. So when we get to be in community, it's not only are we held accountable and share, share God's truth, 
but we get to share God's truth to others and be reminded of it ourselves by doing it. Um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this, Bear one another's burdens, and by this fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah. Um, going to point number three. Um, know God's word. Um, we know that scripture teaches us and points us to Christ. On, in Luke 24, in, in the Maus walk, um, Jesus tells these two guys, essentially, that all of scripture is pointing to him, right? So, so when we read scripture, we need to look at it to Christ. And, and we, can't, we can only have the depth, of, the depth of peace that we can have is only by what we know, right? Brother Al has this great quote of saying, if the Bible were a book, oh no, if the Bible were a person, he'd be Jesus. And if Jesus were a book, he'd be the Bible, <laughs> right? So when we read God's scripture, when we read the Bible, we get to know more about who Jesus is. So we should study it and know it. And memorize it. Again, shameless plug to Kevin. Um, <laughs> we have to know God's word. Because again, the depth of our peace is only by the depth of which we know. Second hmm. Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, sweet. Um, before we go, I just want to share this little bit of story before we kind of usher off into... Um, what is to come. Um, I, 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 I read this story not too long ago, and, and it's too good not to share, especially in talking about peace. Um, this is out of show of hands. How many of you guys know who William Tyndale is? Okay, cool. Um, most of you guys don't. That's okay. Um, if you look at your Bible, most of them probably say Tyndale Bibles. Um, it's because what William Tyndale did um, was he essentially allowed us to have this in our hands couple of centuries ago, that wasn't the case. Um, it was only by, uh, you know, the Pope or Catholic priests were able to hear God's word. And, and William Tyndale saw and, and, and knew God's word to say, and all people should know God's word. All the people should be able to read it. So what he started doing was translating the Bible and, and essentially having a printing press little under, you know, underground operation going to where Bibles would be able to be printed so everyone could have it. Um, the Catholic Church found out about it and sentenced him to death. Sentenced him to be burned at the stake. Hmm. Um, and so William Tyndale, many centuries ago, died at the stake, pressing the Bible and being at peace with knowing that he was serving Jesus. But that's not the best part about the story. The best part about the story was his best friends being two blocks away from where he was being burned, doing the exact same thing. That is what Jesus' peace does to us. You want to talk about tribulation in the world? Look at your best friend being burned at the stake and you doing the exact same thing for the sake of Jesus. What happened then is the same thing that happened in Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says this, um, If this be so, this is Shadrach, I think, talking, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. Right? Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to worship not Jesus, but, his, but to worship him. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O King Nebuchadnezzar. They trusted Jesus to deliver them. But in verse 18, but if not, even if not, he doesn't deliver us. Be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. The same piece as I work at Daniel chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The same God at work in William Tyndale is the same God at work in each of you. So as you see the things happening in the world around us, when you hear about who knows what is going to come next, 
We've had COVID. We've had Afghanistan already this year. Who knows what's going to come next? We can take heart and know that Jesus is faithful and good. So again, I'm just going to read John chapter 16, verse 33, and hopefully in this new light, man, we, we, we can see the peace of God at work in our lives. Um, and as I do this, I'm going to pray and ask the band to come back up. Um, John chapter 16, verse 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We love you. And Lord, we are unworthy. You're far too gracious to us. You're far too good. But yet, Lord, you still allow us to not only share in your grace, Lord, to have peace with the world. Lord, you, you, you could just save us and allow us to go through these things. But Lord, no, you allow us to be at peace. And so, Lord, for that, we praise you. We praise you, uh, Holy Spirit, that you empower us to understand these things, to know these things, to do these things. So what I ask that that would continue throughout our week and, and for the rest of our lives. Um, Lord, you are good and thank you, Lord. We love you, we praise you, and let your name receive all the glory and honor. Amen. Also, uh, Spencer, I'm so sorry, and band. Uh, I, I, I did a couple additional resources. I'm a big reader. I don't know if you guys are. Um, so if you guys want to write down some of these books, they're really good. Um, and I also did a podcast for you guys I don't read. So... Sweet. <laughs>